don't think you'll ever be 100% prepared for anything that's thrown at you in the gig economy. I think you'll be more so 80% prepared and then you have to adapt for that last 20%. Why do a podcast about freelancers who influence? Simple, because we're Helpfluencers. Yo, 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 it's Ted. Welcome to Helpfluencers. On the line today, we have Josh Johnson, who is a digital marketing expert, mainly like Facebook and Google ads. Josh, uh, thank you for being on with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for the invitation. Awesome. So I met Josh because I had a couple posts on Upwork for digital marketing work. We ended up getting on a call to start, you know, just scoping out what we could work on together. And it transitioned a little bit. It transitioned to um, us talking about our projects and what we're working on. And I said, well, you know, I know you're on here to make money, but I got these ideas. <laughs> and you basically were like, yeah, well, you know, I'm always interested in like hearing about stuff to see if it if it's something that fits for me. Right. Which, guys, I wouldn't actually recommend that as the best approach to like start working with someone. So like on Upwork, people are there specifically to actually try to like get gigs. So it, although it's a cool networking space, I mean, that that that's like not the best thing for it. But that's how that's kind of how it went, right, Josh? Yeah, pretty much. We hopped on there. I I replied to your job, and then the conversation just took a turn, but for the better, you know. Yeah. So, Josh, that leads me to like sort of my first question, which is, when did you start in the gig economy? And take us back to your first day, kind of like what that was like for you. Okay. So I started in the gig economy. I want to say I really started when I was way younger. Uh, my dad. He used to program the satellite, like the Dish Network satellite receivers where you had to put the chip. I don't know if you remember that, but you had to put like the chip cards in for the satellite to work. Oh, really? Or, like Dish, Dish Network. Yeah. Um, my dad used to be able to program those cards. He used to know how to program those cards and like the cable boxes when cable was a thing. And then he taught me how to program those cards. And then he would pretty much send all the people that were asking him to program the cards over to me. So that was kind of my introduction to the gig economy. I was only about, what, like 12, 11 years old. So I didn't really understand like what was going on. I was just uh, programming the cards and getting paid for it, like 50, 60 bucks. But I'd say thinking about it now, like going back that far, that's when I pretty much started. When I really understood what the gig economy is and what it was, was about three years ago. I was in this college course and we had to generate Basically, the project for the course was to generate some sort of revenue for an online business. Yeah. And I mean, my team was the only one. It was just me. It was me and one other uh, classmate. And we were the only group that actually generated money for that semester, that three, four months. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much how I got my start in there. And so now you're pivoted. Now you strictly focus on digital marketing. You focus specifically in digital marketing on Facebook ads, right? Yes. So all things advertising. So Facebook ads, Google ads, Bing ads, uh, LinkedIn ads. I just, I also do work with uh, some digital marketing, but that's my main strength, the advertising portion. And I guess my follow up to that would be like email marketing. So working with like Clavio, uh, Drip, MailChimp. Right, right, right. So what are like the most interesting things you're working on right now? I know I invited you to be part of Helpfluencers. You've been able to like meet some, you know, our, our, the other founding team kind of like, besides that, what, what's, what are the, what's the most exciting thing you're working on and, and tell us how you got it. Um, whether it was through Upwork or using any other platforms. Okay, sure. The most interesting, interesting thing. So one of them is Helpfluencers. I think this, this is a great project that we're working on right now. And I don't know, I have, I have, 
I share the vision that you have for it. So that's a it's a pretty awesome project that we uh, that we're working on now. Um, in terms of just for me, what I do, I'd have to say. So I'm the co-founder of a fashion brand for Muslim women. It's called Modest Twist. That is what I would I would consider to be like the top project I'm working on now. Mainly yeah. because it's kind of like a a test bed. I don't want to I don't want to phrase it that way, but it allows me to experiment. It's my own. It's like my own project, my own child that I'm allowed to experiment and kind of do whatever I want with. Yeah. Um, and really showcase my skills in terms of advertising and digital marketing, um, without having any kind of boundaries. I mean, uh, I do have a founder that I have to answer to. But she she is a family member, so <laughs> that <made> not, <laughs> so she's like, yeah, you can take free reign as long as you know you know what you're doing and you let me do my job. So we we have a clear understanding of who does what. And I mean, we got we I got that from her. So it's my sister. That's how the idea was born. Uh, so I didn't get it from Upwork or anywhere else. So I know you told us the story about your childhood, but what attracted you to the gig economy? Is that it, or like I mean, and to continue to pursue it, right? T- typically we transition a little bit as we grow up a little bit, but what, what attracted you to the gig economy? Uh, mainly, mainly my dad, like I said. Um, so he owned his own mechanic shop when I was younger and I would always just watch him. Like he would always go out to work. I'd visit him at work sometimes. Um, and I, I understood what it meant. Like at that age, at least I understood what it meant to like go out and have to like hunt for clients or go for clients, try to get referrals in, really focus on your customer. So watching him do that, I know that that contributed to me being attracted to the gig economy. Also, my younger brother, he's two of them actually have acted on Broadway. I didn't know and that. I mean, yeah. So those are like con- those are essentially contract positions, right? You have a certain amount of time that you're going to perform for for the show as long as it runs for the season or however long it runs. So that's a part of the gig economy as well. And people don't realize that like like doing modeling gigs, doing shows, doing theater work, those all fun, fall under the gig economy because it's not, you're under a contract. Um, it's not like you have to, it's not like you, you sit in a cubicle or anything, or you have to, you have to practice within a, a specific environment. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? No, Does absolutely. That Actually, that's yeah. a pretty good indication that you've made or, you know, because not a lot of people really, you know, gig, I think has this, this connotation that, you know, you're like an Uber driver or like something like this, but there's like obviously a lot of creative work and a lot of just people in general who are who are pursuing gigs that have like, you know, are on in different industries and different levels within those industries. Exactly. Exactly. So that's kind of where my attraction came from. My sister, she models, she does commercial model, modeling. So, I mean, most a lot of people in my family, they, they are involved in the gig economy. So <laughs> I just kind of followed suit. I hear that. I hear that. Um, and so how do you manage it? I guess like your family and your ecosystem kind of already pushes, pushes you in the right di- in the direction for how do you manage like your health insurance, your accounting, um, the time that you spend on actually doing work and the time you spend, you know, doing the admin part of the work. Um, tell us a little bit about your day to day. OK, great question. Uh, so do you want like a breakdown of like my work day, what I do when I wake up and kind of like that and then take it from there? Yeah, man. What's your morning, morning routine? Okay. Um, when I wake up, I usually wake up between six and six thirty. I usually don't get up past six thirty. So usually before six thirty, I'm I'm up. AM. Don't. Yes. <laughs> I'm up pretty early. And crazy enough, I go to bed pretty late too. I go to bed at like one one thirty. But uh, what I do is I wake up. I don't touch any kind of electronics. Um, I pray 
I pray for about 10, 15 minutes. Then I meditate. I meditate for another anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes. It depends on the morning. And then I get into the actual like morning routine. So I'll shower. I'll grab some breakfast. I make sure I, I eat like a yogurt or some sort of healthy snack real quick in the morning. Uh, shower up, brush my teeth, whatever, whatever. And then I go straight into like prospecting and cold emailing. So going on LinkedIn, trying to connect with people, uh, Shaper, swiping on there. I've heard I do of that. What's that? So it's a it's a it's a neat little networking app. It's kind of like a Tinder for business professionals, if that makes sense. And all you do is you put in so you fill out the profile, you put in uh, what industry you're involved in, if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for gigs, if you're looking for investment. Um, and I have to I have to forward it over to you. It's an awesome little app, and I met quite a few people on there. Definitely check it out. But back to the routine. So about for about five to six hours, I'm on LinkedIn or I'm swiping on Shaper, or I'm talking to people on Shaper and just trying to prospect and try to understand people's businesses and where they need help and how my, where my value comes in. Um, so I do that until about, let's say, so at that time, so the time when I start start doing that, it's about 8.30, 9 o'clock. So I do that until about, I want to say 3, 3.30. It changes sometimes from day to day, but it's usually 3, 3.30. After that, what I do is I have a routine where I answer questions on core, four questions a day. So yeah. I take an hour out of my day to do that, just answer four questions on Quora, um, really put some thought into them. After that, I follow up with my sister. So I forgot to mention that in the morning, I'll check in, I'll check in with my sister to see how things are going with a uh, modest twist. Um, and after I answer the core questions, so it's about five o'clock, I check in with my sister. Um, I'm checking in with her. I'll have, I'll have basically kind of like lunch dinner i don't know i have to get my my diet in check but basically lunch and dinner after that is when i really dive into the admin work checking in on ads um creating new ads making sure that i follow up with anybody who's emailed me uh, throughout the day um after that it's really just kind of me time and focusing on that i don't really do much else after that i hear you i hear you so um, what's the one thing you wish people knew about the gig economy and kind of where do you see the future going? The one thing I'd have to say your online presence matters, like make sure that you have a presence online. It's just so people people are aware of the Internet now, so you can't just put anything on the Internet and then kind of get away with it. You have to make sure that, you you know, you are who you say you are, um, make sure you're dedicated to what you're doing. And I mean, the rest will follow follow along create a system or process around everything that you're doing. So if you do it once, try to record it or at least understand um, how you can use it again in the future. Because I noticed that a lot of my past work that I've done, I kind of reuse the same content or at least the same framework for it, um, which is really helpful. So all I have to do is pull it pull it back up and be like, oh, I already did this. So, or I did a portion of this. All I got to do is change it around according to either the, the client or according to my needs, um, et cetera. And another thing is uh, don't do anything just for the sake of doing it. So some people, they'll they'll wake up and be like, oh, yeah, today I want to be, you know, I want to be a writer. I'm just going to go and decide to be a, a writer. I mean, what is the you have to understand why are you writing? You know, why do you want to be a writer? What industry do you think you bring the most value to? Where is where is this coming from? You know, what's your fire behind all this? And the last thing I want to mention is that you'll always be 80 percent prepared. Um, I feel like the last 20 percent and it kind of ties in with the 20, the 80, 20 rule. Um, yeah. The last 20 percent is really how well you can adapt to the scenario situation. 
So you, I don't think you'll ever be 100% prepared for anything that's thrown at you in the gig, gig economy. I think you'll be more so 80% prepared, and then you have to adapt for that last 20%. That's interesting, right? Because people are always asking, like, is it ready? Can we do it yet? And it's like, sometimes you have to just go. And yeah. like, like, we're never going to be 100% ready. Exactly. And we were talking about this yesterday. We just got to take, you got to take action on it and adapt as the situation presents itself. You'll never really know. Exactly, exactly. So, um, and how about the future of the gig economy? How do you see that playing out? So the future of the gig economy, I, th- I think we're more like businesses are picking up on it now where they hire out contractors or they allow for like remote work. I think what we're going to start seeing is more so smaller, maybe not teams, no, maybe not businesses, but small teams that come in and help these businesses and really help them grow or really help solve their issues. Um, I don't think I think it's going to expand a lot more. And I don't think businesses are going to be uh, as large as they projected to be in the past or attempted to be in the past. Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of turmoil, like rules and regulations. Um, look at Amazon now, like people are, are kind of complaining They're like, wow, even though Amazon's still great, it's a great company. Um, they're like, wow, the folks that are selling on Amazon, they're like Amazon is pretty much just, you know, taking over everything. And the one way to kind of combat that is we're going to start seeing like smaller teams, more focused teams, more specialized teams to kind of help out all these different uh, smaller businesses that are trying to grow. Yeah, actually, I think it's fascinating, this topic, because what I kind of foresee and predict about, you know, and I'm sure there's probably literature on this is like, I think that we had to slingshot into globalization in order to come right back to localization. That's it. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, because, you know, we we had to see the Alibabas of the world, like kind of just do all this thing on all this on a high level so that we can then start to appreciate what we could do on a local level, you know. And I think we're just going to take the infrastructure that was built for the bigger marketplaces, for the global marketplace are just going to be used for micro niche uh, niche micro ecosystems. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what the next five years looks like, because I think people all of people thought they liked a certain thing because of the idea. And they're realizing that I think soon we're going to realize that it's not as cool as we thought it should be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's going to be interesting next next four to five years, how everything just shifts over. Yeah. So let's finish up with like what kind of attracted you most to Helpfluencers. And like, I mean, we've had a few like uh, a team meetings now where we're like definitely getting the ball rolling on this. Tell us a little bit about what attracted you to this. And um, yeah, like we'll wrap up with that. Um, what attracted me to Helpfluencers really is first form- first and foremost, uh, you, Ted, like your your vision for it, where you want to take things. That's really important. You know where you want to go with this, and I'm along for the ride. The next thing that attracted me to Helpfluencers is that the influencer economy, a lot of people are questioning it. They're like, okay, what is an influencer exactly? What do they do? How do they help in the global scheme of things? And I mean, being able to understand why these influencers do what they do and helping them tell their story and helping them give back to people who may not understand like specifically what they're doing or how they they give back to the community or give back, yeah, give back to the community, I guess. I kind of want to be a part of that and kind of help help those influencers help others. <laughs> yeah, actually, just to piggyback on what you're saying, you want to know something interesting. I think people even misunderstand influencers sometimes because influencers are this, is this new coined word, right? Yeah. But it's actually not, right? So if you look at like Dell Carnegie and you kind of think like, 
uh, how to win friends and influence people. It's always been there. That word is like so common across like leadership, you know? Uh, but now that we're putting it in this context of social media, it's sort of been watered down a little bit where people are like, oh, okay, I'm an influencer. And it's like, nah, man, like there's, I mean, you could be in your own right still influence because as long as you tell someone to cross the street and they cross, you just influence them, you know? Right. Um, but there's like this higher level of influence that, you know, you know, that has always been talked about. If you listen to like Dr. Miles Monroe or like, you know, that there's just so many um, leaders that use the word influence pretty often. And they have been for the past decades. You know, I mean, I'm sure longer than that, but um, in this context. So it's just now that we're like repurposing the word and we kind of made it this common word of like, you know, just associating personalities with um, the word influence. But yeah, it's been there. So so I, I'm definitely like you interested and I'm I'm here. I'm along for the ride too, like meeting interesting people like you and and being able to uh, mind melt and, and kind of just talk about where we see things going and and being able to do work together is a, is very motivating. Exactly. Exactly. So, Josh, thank you so much for being on the show. Tell everyone, please, how can they find you? What's your website? Um, how can they find you on, on social? Um, and, and kind of like what, what type of things they can ask you for? I know we already touched on the marketing part, but you could kind of just reiterate for folks. Sure, Ted. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. I enjoy being a helpfluencer. Everybody can find me on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn slash in slash Josh, J-N-Y, J-O-S-H-J-N-Y. That's the same tag for my Instagram, J-O-S-H-J-N-Y. Um, you can also find me on Quora and GenuineDigital.com. So that's my main like advertising team website. If you have any questions about advertising, if you have questions about finding platforms where you can find, I guess, clients, find prospects, leads, so that you can uh, start to sell your skills in the gig economy, go ahead, hit me up on any of the platforms that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Thanks again, Ted. Absolutely, man.